And I'm Tina. And we're here with episode 11 of season one of Charmed, Feet of Clay. Feats of Clay. Feats of Clay. Because okay. it's like it's like the adventures of clay. Feats of clay. Uh, uh. It's like a pun, except feet of clay doesn't work. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest here. Until like you pulled up the name of the episode, I completely forgot what the plot of this was, even though we saw it like a day ago. Well, it's fun that you say that because that's a really nice segue into the fact that this episode is directed by Kevin Inch who also directed When Bad Warlocks Turn Good, which I keep conflating with this episode. Oh, is that the one with the first anti-charmed ones? The first official, not counting the shapeshifters. Yeah, and I keep thinking Clay is part of that cabal, but he's not. He's he's this that we're about to see. Yeah. Yeah. This episode also was written by... Okay, get ready. Okay. Because, as you know, it's always a good thing, the more writers we have. <laughs> Javier Grillo Marxosh. Michael Paracone, Greg Elliott, Chris Levinson, and Zach Estrin. We've heard some of those names We've before. We've heard all of these names before. Okay, Javier Grillo Marcosh, who is credited with the story, mm-hmm. also wrote Dead Man Dating, which is a great episode. Yeah, that's the John Cho episode. That's the John Cho episode. Chris Levinson and Zach Estrin wrote The Truth Is Out There and It Hurts. A passable episode. And also, thank you for not morphing. Oh. With creepy original dad. Yes. And Greg Elliott and Michael Paracone wrote The Wedding from Hell. Oh, jeez. I'm honestly surprised this episode isn't more disconnected than it is. I mean, The Wedding from Hell is an episode that, like, feels like it changes from scene to scene. Well, okay, so now I'm just projecting out here. Mm-hmm. But... Javier Grillo Marxosh, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. I, you know, apologies if I'm not. Mm. Um, you know, he is credited with the story and he's written solo episodes. Michael Paracone and Greg Elliott are a team that have written other episodes. And Chris Levinson and Zach Estrin are a team that have written other episodes. Mm-hmm. So this suggests to me that this episode went through at least three rewrites getting to screen. But it doesn't have a lot of the markers that, or from what I remember of it, granted, as I established not very long ago, I don't really remember the episode. I remember it in broad strokes. It's fine. It's a fine episode, but it doesn't feel as disconnected as one would think an episode that had a lot of rewrites would have. I mean, that's a good feel. point. I, I do wonder if the subplot was its own story at one point. It almost feels like it could be its own story. Oh, I don't remember the subplot. Oh, wow. That's not a good sign. Uh, Again, like, the only thing... Oh, right. Duh. Prue with her boss. No, no. The subplot is Piper trying to keep that clumsy guy from breaking everything because he's in love with a waitress. Oh, right. God. Which, also, I feel like this is a plot we will see recycled multiple times through the course of Charmed. Oh, really? Plots like this. Okay. All right, you ready to get into it? Yes, so we open in Egypt, which you can tell because there's, you know, stock footage of the Sphinx and a pyramid and camels and, like, 
what are the first three things you think of when you think of Egypt? And then just in case you didn't get it, it says Cairo, Egypt across the screen. Before cutting to a house that definitely isn't in California, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So apparently we've got three guys robbing just a private residence in Egypt. Yes, this is the big score for these three guys, one of whom is aggressively 90s facial hair-wise. He has that kind of goatee that you'd only see in stoners in 90s movies. It's kind of soul-patchy. It's what Brecken Meyer had in Clueless. Yes, yes. Yeah, that guy is uh, Palmer, by the way. These three guys are Clay, Palmer, and Wesley. And... It seems like it should be themed naming, but I can't figure out what the theme would be. I think they're just all 90s names. Because I'm like, okay, clay, palmer, like palm tree. Is it is it desert stuff? I, I, Deserts I, are in the West. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a theme here. Now, Palmer and Wesley go off to the side and they talk about how this urn that they're about to steal is cursed. And I have to talk about this weird thing here. Is the weird thing being, hey, let's go to the side during a robbery. In the middle of a robbery, let's pull off to the side to have a tiny private conversation. I'm sure the third member of our robbing trio won't think that's weird or anything. I mean, yeah, that is weird. Also, the information we get is weird, which is they're letting us know that Clay doesn't know that the urn is cursed. For some reason, it's very important in this episode that he didn't know it was cursed because there's a moral difference between stealing something that's cursed and stealing something that's not cursed, apparently. Yeah, it's Wesley pulls over Palmer or Palmer pulls over Wesley. One of the guys pulls over the other guy and he's like, remember not to tell Clay that the vase we're about to steal is cursed, as you know, Bob. Right. They talk about how anyone who steals it is killed in a horrific way and the guy who owned it before like the guy who owns this house is dead dead of a scorpion sting so yeah it's definitely a great idea to steal this urn i know right luckily for them they have the intense security that is it's sitting on top of a barrel in the middle of a room not even in the middle of the room to the side of a room it's like in front of the window so that all the thieves who are walking by can see it Although the real security is, of course, the guardian of the urn, because when they lift up the urn, we see this, like, stamp on the side of the urn dissolve into gold dust, because that's how the guardian travels. The guardian travels by stamp. So some guards come after them, but they very easily get away from this house. Okay, I have to say, for a person who lives in Egypt... This guy's got a lot of tacky Egypt shit around his house. He wants people to know that he lives in Egypt. It's like how, since we live in Portland, our curtains are made out of plaid, and our carpet is just a giant beard. Okay, now, to to be fair, I, I do have the Portland Airport carpet carpet. That is true. You did. When they were cutting it up, you got a piece of it. And our curtains are mountains. Yes, but they're fictional mountains. It's the cover from The Hobbit. Yes. Honestly, it feels pretty Portland to me. It's not the, it's not the cover to Ramona and Quimby. 
No, it's not. Although I did want to do the nursery, you'll remember, I did want to do the nursery Beverly Cleary themed, but you talked me out of it. Yes. You also talked me out of Bridges of Portland, which, swear to God, was another thing I wanted to do. So the three men are leaving this very conspicuously decorated house when Beardy is stopped by the Guardian of the Vase. Yeah, pretty, pretty white for an Egyptian guardian. I wasn't going to say. I'm joking, I was going to say. This is a very, very white Egyptian woman. I can't see her hair because she's wearing kind of a headdressy thing, but I'm willing to bet that she's blonde. She is. Spoiler alert for uh, premonitions. Mm. So she touches Beardy and he's like, ugh, acting, and falls down dead. Yes, and Palmer sees this. Palmer sees this guy die. So now Palmer knows that the curse is real. Again, does not share this information with Clay. We will find out. Shut up, Wesley. (laughs) So, three days later, we are at the manor with the girls, and Max, did you know Phoebe used to live in New York? You know, I think I may have heard her mention that once or twice, possibly. (laughs) So... Phoebe has an old flame coming from New York where she used to live. Not only did she live in New York, she was the hostess at the Rainbow Room, which is like the New Yorkiest job that someone who lives in San Francisco would think of. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know how the guy who lived in Egypt had his apartment very conspicuously decorated in Egypt stuff? Yeah. All of Phoebe's New York references are like, oh, yeah, I got that job at the Rainbow Room. After I got fired from being a coat check girl at the Met. Yeah, basically. Uh, so Clay shows up. Clay, a pa- Phoebe's ex. Yeah, Clay was Phoebe's ex. And as soon as she greets him hello, she has a premonition of getting busy with him. Okay, like, the premonitions are supposed to, like, warn you about stuff, right? They're not just things that happen in the future. Like, there are things that happen in the future that you should be aware of. I wrote in my notes, premonitions are jerks. Like, (laughs) that's not a helpful premonition. I mean, to be fair, I think Phoebe's had, like, four helpful premonitions over the course of the show at this point. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are, hey, Phoebe, you're about to be attacked, or, you know, hey, Phoebe, maybe you should stop that guy who's eye-lasering people at Prue's place of business. A thing which, without a premonition, she would not have thought to do. She looks really happy to have had this sex premonition. Honestly, she looks way too happy considering this is a guy that she broke up with for presumably very good reasons. Yeah, I... She's just, like, so happy to see him and she's so eager and I'm like, No, Phoebe, he's trash. Stay away from him. Like... I have He's a street rat. Oh my. I've been on pretty good terms with some of my exes, but I don't think I've ever been as happy to see an ex as she is right here and there. Well, and I mean, we know what her relationship with him was like. He was a jerk who she broke up with because he was a criminal. So, I mean, tone down, Phoebe. So, uh, in case you were wondering where this show takes place, we get several, several shots of the Golden Gate Bridge. There's a lot of establishing shots in this episode. It makes me wonder if they were running short. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, I guess it's, 
It's just of the bridge, though. Usually, at least, they'll do some of the city, like trolley cars and stuff. But this time, it's just the bridge, the bridge, the bridge. I spoke too soon. There's a couple of the city. My word. Okay, there's like 60 full seconds of establishing shots of San Francisco. Look, there's the trolley. Holy shit. I had I didn't realize how long this goes on. It goes on for half past forever and then the teleplay by credits take up literally the entire screen. <laughs> oh man, you know you've got a good episode ahead of you. So, we go to Quake where the camera very conspicuously pans over a guy cleaning a glass behind the bar. This is our subplot guy hair horns he has those 90s hair horns he does his name is doug doug clumsy doug clumsy clumsy doug so piper is explaining to prue that the reason she doesn't know what phoebe was doing with her life you know a year ago is because she's a judgmental shrew Mm, yes she's like phoebe talks to me about what happened in her past because i'm not constantly judging her unlike other people i could mention but i won't prue claims that she's not judgmental and then immediately starts judging phoebe for hooking back up with clay which to be honest i'm judging her for too well piper clarifies no no they weren't hooking up they were just having wine and listening to music in phoebe's room that's worse that's so much worse oh so A blonde waitress walks by and shoots eye daggers at the guy behind the bar, and he immediately just tosses the glasses he was holding behind him. I know, I know, he's supposed to be dropping them, but this actor is bad at casually pretending to drop things, so it looks like he's throwing the glasses. (laughs) But Piper freezes time and then writes the glasses and then acts like she miraculously swooped in and saved the day. Which... He literally threw them behind him. But Prue's like, hey, aren't we not supposed to be using our powers for personal gain? Like, aren't you worried that you'll get caught freezing time? And Piper's like, but how would that work? If I froze time, how would people catch me doing that? (laughs) Oh, They'd be frozen, Prue. That's how my power works. Piper explains this subplot, which is that... Doug is going to get fired if he keeps breaking shit, but he can't help it because he just broke up with his longtime girlfriend and he really just wanted to propose to her, but instead he didn't and she broke up with him because he didn't propose to her. Yeah, what? What? Like, she's like, yeah, Doug really wanted to propose to Shelly and he bought an engagement ring and everything, but then Shelly was like, you need to propose to me or we're going to break up and he froze and then... Yeah, he, she... was, he was too shy to ask the girl he'd been dating for six years if she would marry him. That's definitely a guy you want to spend the rest of your life with. Uh, so Piper needs to freeze time again because, honestly, I know it's supposed to be, oh, he's clumsy, blah, 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 but it looks like he's just kind of throwing plates at Shelly. <laughs> yeah, no, he's terrible. Like, he's like, oops, I tripped, and there's all these plates just flying at Shelly's head. And Piper freezes them, and Prue's like... Okay, yeah, look, you deal with this. You know, personal gain, whatever. And Yeah, Prue's gonna Prue's gonna deal with her own thing, which is going back to work at Buckland's, even though her bosses turned out to be demons who had killed her real bosses and taken their place. I mean to be fair, what else are you gonna do? Okay, just I 
this episode doesn't really explain enough what happened after that, which I get. Oh, I know! There's a whole subplot that is supposedly explaining what happened, but it just raises more questions. Like, the people who hired Prue weren't the real Rex Buckland and Hannah Webster. Like, they're two random people who stole their identities. Why does she still have this job? Okay, let's not get into that yet. We're not quite there yet. First, but yeah, there are questions. But first we have a scene where Phoebe and Clay are just walking outside. And hey, did you know Clay used to live in Egypt? Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I lived in Egypt. There are pyramids and there's a sphinx and the Nile. And I'm like, okay, if we hadn't just seen you be (laughs) in Egypt... I would think that you were lying about this. I know! Ugh. Honestly, though, between, between, did you know Clay used to live in Egypt and did you know Phoebe used to live in New York, maybe they're perfect for each other. Mm. So Clay isn't anyone famous, but he looks a lot like Josh DeMel. Yeah, he does. Like, dime store Josh DeMel. Yeah. So he's like, I'm sorry that we broke up, Phoebe, because you're the best thing that ever happened to me. And... I loved you so much, and I I miss you so much. And Phoebe's like, pump the brakes, dude. Like, yeah, he he wasn't a good boyfriend in New York. Why would he be a good boyfriend in San Francisco? Yeah, and she's like, look, I know that you want something, and presumably it's not just to hit this again. Although, come on, look at me. I mean, he's gonna hit it again. We don't need premonitions to know that. And he's like, yeah, you got me. Look, I bought this vase at a marketplace, and I think it might be super valuable. It's so weird to me how he keeps, how his cover story that he keeps repeating is that he picked it up in a marketplace in Egypt. Honestly, I feel like it's racist. Mm. Like, the implication being that you could pick up this, this urn worth thousands and thousands of dollars because those people wouldn't know what they had, so they would totally just be selling it in a marketplace. I don't know. I think it's just a, like, foreign update to the whole, oh, I bought this painting at a garage sale and it turned out to be a Rembrandt. I guess. Although, those are all covers for Art Thieves too. Like, he's clearly a thief, Phoebe. Yeah, he's like, I picked up this vase, I think it might be valuable, blah blah blah. I know your sister works in an auction house, which I feel like, I feel like Phoebe should have questions about that. Because Prue very much did not work at an auction house when Phoebe was living in New York. That is true. I didn't even think of that. I mean, she did work at a museum, so, eh. And I guess he could have... I don't know. I feel like in a world pre-Facebook, there would have to be some creepy sleuthing going on for him to know where her sister works. I mean, this is really just a convenient way to get him to meet up with the Charmed Ones, because you're right, there's no reason for him to otherwise. Yeah. But we go from that conversation to Buckland's itself, and Claire from the bank is there going through Prue's office, and... Claire. Claire. Okay, Claire is (laughs) like... Oh my god. Okay, so she's the banker, and she's trying to decide if they're gonna foreclose on the auction house. So many questions. So many questions. Okay, so that means that the bank, like, foreclosed on the business, okay? So Rex, presumably, the real Rex, had a loan where the business was placed up for collateral, but that's weird because this is an old, established family business. It's weird that a 
it's weird that he would have had it mortgaged like that. And also, this implies that there was no one to step forward and take it over. I, I mean, I guess that makes sense if someone was able to take over Rex's life so completely that there are no other Bucklands. This, this all just... This, this is just all very suspicious to me. But more than suspicious, it's annoying. Because Claire comes in and she's like, this business has been run abominably. And it's like, oh, no kidding. The business that was being run by two con men who killed the real owners wasn't keeping good books? Also, apparently Prue is like senior staff now, even though she was hired like a month ago. Well, I mean, they were the only three employees, right? Rex, Hannah, and Prue. So now, and that security and, guard. And the security guard who and got killed. Now that Rex, Hannah, and that security guard are dead, it's all Prue's. It's all Prue now. So, Claire is like, I don't know anything about auction houses, but I know the bottom line. And if you don't move $1.2 million dollars, by the day after tomorrow, I'm going to shut this place down and have you killed. Yeah, okay, so she tells Prue that she has to do an auction right now that raises $1.2 million. And I, 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 who know nothing about the art world, I'm like, that's, I'm pretty sure that's not how auctions work. And Prue says, yeah, that's not how auctions work. And Claire's like, get it done. I am the villain from an 80s movie, and if you need to put on a show in your barn to save this auction house, then that's just what you're gonna do! It's such a weird plot. Both of the subplots in this episode are weird. And she does this weird thing where, like, she's leaving the office, and Phoebe's entering the office, and she just makes a lot of very intense eye contact with Phoebe, and circles around her on her way out. I'm, this is so strange that given what happened with Rex and Hannah, Prue is a bad witch to not be suspicious of Claire. Okay, and honest to God, I don't remember if Claire ever comes back. I'm pretty sure she doesn't. Like, I know that the auction house is only a thing for the first season. I think, yes. I think it shows up a couple of times in the second season, but then Prue randomly becomes a photographer because... Why not? Uh, I mean, they really should have just shut the auction house plot down once they got rid of Rex and Hannah. Yeah. It would have made more sense. Okay. But now that the three plots have been introduced, I just want to bring something up. Okay. Okay. So, the three plots. We have the main plot, which is Clay is being... Haunted hun- by a vase ghost? Yes, by the guardian of the urn. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have the plot where Piper is trying to get Doug back together with his ex-girlfriend so that he stops dropping things. Yes. And we have the plot where Prue needs to put on an auction to save the auction house. Do you think each group of writers handled a different plot? Oh, that's possible. But what I was going to say is, the only person who does anything that affects the plot is Prue. Prue successfully puts on an auction, okay? But the resolution, and I mean... You're listening to the episode, so spoilers, but here we go. The resolution of Piper's story is that if she hadn't interfered, they'd have gotten together quicker. Yes. And the resolution of Phoebe's story is done by Clay with no help from the Charmed Ones whatsoever. (laughs) They do nothing in this episode to affect the plot, except that Prue saves the auction house. Well, Clay, uh, we'll get into what Clay does, but... I guess 
if he wasn't protecting Phoebe at a pivotal moment, that I don't know. That, this is the second episode in a row where the Charmed Ones aren't responsible for the villain's defeat. Also, villain. Wait, what happened? La- yeah, no, seriously, the Guardian of the Urn is not a villain. Wait, but la- what happened last time? I totally forget. Leo. Oh, yeah, Leo did everything. I mean, I guess they did. Once they got their powers back, they used them to defeat Rex and Hannah, although they did it by moving Rex into Hannah's path and then Hannah mauled Rex and then Hell killed Hannah. I mean, they still at least took an action. If you took them out of the story, the story would be fundamentally different. In this episode, if you took the Charmed Ones out of the story, the story would not be fundamentally different. Point. So Phoebe apologizes to Claire and Claire just, like, glides past her. Yeah, Claire gives her some like bitch level stink eye. I, I, it's 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 pretty good. I don't know. She she, her uh, her mouth is smiling and her eyes are appraising. Yeah, she's like, it's like the opposite of smizing. Smizing is when you smile with your eyes but not your face. She's like smiling with her face, but her eyes are shooting daggers. I wouldn't even say shooting daggers. I, I'd say she like I'm still casting like- frost. I'm sticking with what I said. I think she was appraising Phoebe, which makes me think that maybe this character was supposed to be a demon or a witch or something, and then they just... Changed their minds? I was thinking possibly didn't get the actress back, but we'll talk about that in Premonitions. All right. Although, I do think that this character, that Claire is sort of, speaking of far, far in the future, a proto-Elise. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. And we'll talk about Elise in a couple of seasons. Actually, if you go back to our Once Upon a Time April Fool's episode, we have already talked about Elise. Oh, I thought you meant the episode where she showed up in Premonitions. Because that actress is is in an earlier episode, even though the character doesn't show up until later. Yeah, but... She was in the episode in the April Fool's episode, which served as the backdoor pilot for Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. That's true. Yeah, you, if you go back to our Welcome to Storybrooke and find the episode we released on April 1st, which was a random episode of Charmed. I mean, it wasn't random. It was the episode of Charmed that we would have been on had we been doing a Charmed podcast instead of a Once Upon a Time podcast. So, back to Charmed. Yes, the Charmed that we're actually on. Yes, uh, Phoebe has brought Clay to the auction house, and Clay has brought the urn. And he's like, hey, so is this worth, you know, money? And Prue's like, oh yeah, this is worth super bonkers money. Like, if I sold this at auction, I could make you millions of dollars. She's like, but I would have to, like, appraise it and make sure it's not a fake or stolen. And Clay's like, hey, can you cut corners? And Prue's like, that's not suspicious at all. Yeah. She's like, well, I guess I do have an auction coming up tomorrow, apparently. God. So, uh, yeah, I just won't do any background stuff. Ugh. Then we go outside Buckland's, where Clay runs into an e- somehow, a somehow even more suspicious acting Palmer. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he like runs up to Clay and Phoebe, and he's like, Hey, Clay, it's me, Palmer, from Egypt. Did you sell that urn yet? Because it's super important that you do it right away. Yeah, and and Clay's like, Palmer, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm just bumping into you. It's a small world. You sell that urn, bro? 
bro, bro, you sell that urn? Because I think it's really important that you get that urn sold, bro. Oh my gosh. And Phoebe's like, what is happening? And Palmer's like, you know what? I'll just I'll just talk to you at the hotel that we're both staying at. You're staying at the same hotel as me, right? The hotel that I told you you should stay at if you were ever in San Francisco. Oh my god. I Phoebe like doesn't even really care because she just wants to get laid because any normal person would be super suspicious of this interaction, but she's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Palmer's like yeah, I'm, I'm going to head back to that hotel, the hotel that we're both staying at. Maybe we'll we'll hook up later, bro. We'll hook up later, bro. Phoebe, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Sell that urn. Sell that urn. Sell that urn. And Phoebe's like, that was weird. And Clay's like, eh, don't worry about it. Then we go to the airport where Palmer has shown up to pick up Wesley's body. Or see about the body. He's not actually picking it up. And it's in a crate. Okay, I don't think that's that weird. I think they probably do ship coffins inside of crates. I guess. It it just seemed weird to I, You're right, there's probably a coffin inside a crate. I was thinking they just like, his body was in a crate. No, it's. I'm sure it's in a coffin in a crate. But he tells the customs guy that he told Wesley's family that he would take care of this. And the customs guy confirms that it's being shipped off to JFK tomorrow. So that means that they shipped the body from Egypt to San Francisco, and then they're going to go from there to JFK, instead of shipping it from Egypt to Newark International, which seems like the more logical thing to do. Uh, This scene is only here so we can see that the mark of the urn is on the box that Wesley's body is in. Right. As I said before, the Guardian travels by stamp, and the stamp is on the side of the crate, and of course it dissolves into gold dust in front of us. Yes, so it can stock... Palmer and Clay. Yes. And then the woman, the Guardian, reappears, and she's got sort of this, like... She's got to have Egyptian head... Piece. On... (laughs) And this sort of, like, gold cloak that it doesn't look like she's wearing anything under it. Well, no, and it, like, it's tied, like, right at her boobs, and there's there's nothing under it. And then there's nothing, like, covering her whole lower torso. Why did, I mean, I know she reappeared, so we'd be like, oh, right, her, she's in this episode. But, I mean, she's not killing anyone, and I'm assuming she can follow someone just as a flying stamp. No, the stamp has to be affixed to something, apparently. But what's weird is the stamp can be affixed to the urn. You would think it would just stay permanently affixed to the urn, since the whole point is to kill the person who stole the urn. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We go from this to Prue on the phone with Piper. Prue is at the auction house, and Piper is at Quake. And they are talking about Phoebe and, you know, her new man. Yeah. And Piper tells... Piper tells Prue that she's out of the loop because Phoebe doesn't trust her because Prue's a snoopy, snoopy snoop, and she judges everyone, and she's a big, bossy pain in the ass. Well, I like this, though, because Prue's like, I just get a bad feeling, and Piper's like, you think that about everyone. You thought that about Jeremy. And Prue's like, Jeremy was a warlock who tried to murder us, and (laughs) Piper's like, okay, so in that one case, you were right. In that one instance, you happen to be right. God. Just because 
just because I was dating a warlock and Phoebe was dating a demon literally last week doesn't mean that we're always going to be dating bad people. Meanwhile, Doug is dropping a vase and Piper tries to freeze it but can't. I want to point out that... She's worn out. She's been doing too many freezes. Yeah, she talked to Prue earlier about how she's been using her power almost constantly at work. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like... I don't think she gets her secondary power first. I think that, uh, I think Prue gets the astral projection before Piper gets her... Explosions? But I think it's interesting that Piper's using her power more. It's like exercising. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I mean, she does mention earlier, even though we didn't say it, that she's getting better at controlling when it stops. Because previously... It just stops whenever it feels like stopping, and that's not always convenient. Yeah. Plus, it had limited range that one time they were fighting the demon bridesmaids. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, back at the Hallowell Manor. In front of a fireplace. Yeah, Phoebe is in the living room having, like, a Chinese takeout date with Clay. It's actually pretty, like, cozy looking. They're eating Chinese takeout, and they're sitting in front of the fire and talking about their life together. Yeah, he's like, it's weird that you're living with your sisters again after you spent, like, all of your time in New York where we both used to live, in New York, New York where we used to live. How you spent all of that time complaining about your sisters and now you're back living with them. Are you, is this necessity or choice? And Phoebe says, I think it's a little bit of both. And she kind of, she talks around what she's doing there. Like... Well, I mean, she says that she's protecting the innocent from evil, which is such a weird thing to say. It definitely requires follow-up, but Clay does not follow up. He's like, really? You're not partying? Yeah, because he's like, look, you you worked three jobs in New York just to afford your social schedule, and all of a sudden you're just not doing anything in your childhood house? What's what's going on here? He's He's prying in a way that makes it seem like he knows, but he doesn't know what her deal is. Yeah. But then he stops prying and goes in to kiss her, which I bring up because when he kisses her, he grabs the back of her neck in a way that's, like, really aggressive. It makes me uncomfortable. I do really like how Phoebe handles the situation. Like, she kind of, she gently pulls herself away and she's like, look... It took me a long time to get over you, and you're still really hot, and obviously I'm Alyssa Milano. But, like, look, this isn't gonna happen. I'm in a new, more responsible part of my life, and I can't get involved in your shit anymore. And he's like, oh, so if I cleaned up my act, and and she's like, it really feels like you're not listening to what I'm saying. So he tries to be like, okay, so... We're not going to hook up, but how about you just show me around? And he says, how about you take me on a tour of San Francisco? Show me where I left my heart. Ugh, barf. Yeah, right? Do not have sex with him, Phoebe. In fact, kick him out of the house now. God. Luckily, luckily, Prue shows up to interrupt this terrible, like, I was going to say punning. It's not even a pun. It's just terrible song play. So, Clay asks her, how's it going with the urn? And, uh... That's so rude! He just gave it to her, like, an hour ago! 
Yeah. Calm down. And she's doing this as a favor to you. God, he's so rude. I hate when people do that. They just, like, feel like they can infringe on whatever it is you do for a living. It's like, this is a job for me, dude. Yes. Prue says that it has not been sold yet, but it is on the auction block, and she's having an auction tomorrow because of her subplot. So, eh. And Clay goes in for another kiss on Phoebe, which seems very inappropriate given- She just told him no! And she's just kind of like, she smiles through it, and she's like, okay, yeah, get out of my house. But, like, politely. Right. And I do love Prue's, like, really- Really, really, this this is happening? And Phoebe's like, no, he was just kissing me goodbye. I'm not getting started with the drama. I actually really love this moment. It's a really small moment. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly the kind of moment where Phoebe would be upset with Prue for interfering. Mm-hmm. But Prue says, you know, I'm just looking out for my little sister. And Phoebe says, yeah, don't stop looking out for me. And then they kind of smile at each other. And it's a really nice, tiny sister moment that is then quickly interrupted by explosions from the attic. Yes. See, Piper has cast a spell using practical magic because it's season one. And God, I just, I love whenever they have the candles, the cauldron, the whole kit and caboodle. So Piper has cast a confidence spell on Doug so that he'll stop dropping stuff and she won't have to think about him anymore. But she doubled the recipe, which, I mean, Piper, you're a chef. You should know you can't just double shit up like that. I mean, more than that, you've been a witch for more than, like, a week. You've already had experiences with spells kerploding and backfiring on you. Like... It's a bad move. It's such a bad move. Yeah. But Prue and Phoebe choose to be mildly amused by this instead of, you know... Outraged? Yeah. And... uh, Is this personal gain? I mean, later Paige will get in trouble for violating personal gain by using magic to clear up a co-worker's acne. I I know, it's so... It's so fast and loose what is and is not personal gain. Ugh. But we go from there to the actual auction, which is going on right now. And honestly, I I just... Does this auction have a theme? Like, is this from one person's collection or, or have a theme as far as time period or or type of piece? It, it doesn't. It's just It's just like the garage sale of auctions. So Claire goes up to Prue and she's like Prue the good news is that urn is valuable the bad news is that the system says that it's been stolen and also she's like is this how you run things and it's like what by checking the provenance of pieces that we've been given yeah that's how we run things it's not my fault you said I had to do an auction in 12 hours yeah Like, yes, exactly. She's angry because the background check that the auction house did proved that an item was stolen. And so it was immediately taken off the auction block because it was stolen. It's so weird. Claire's so weird. Prue 
weirdly conspicuously uses her telekinesis to switch two of the items. Yeah, so the urn was supposed to go up for auction next, so she swaps the tags showing the auction number so that she has time to grab it off the table. Like, you could have just gone over there and... Whispered in the auctioneer's ear. Yes, this was a very unnecessary use of magic. It's definitely personal gain. I mean, you could have just walked up and been like, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no. It's professional gain. (laughs) Oh, right. Of course. Of course. So Prue grabs the urn and runs up to her office where Palmer is waiting to act suspicious some more. It's like, I'm a friend of Clay's. Why didn't you sell the urn? You're supposed to sell the urn, bro. Bro, why didn't you sell the urn? You have to sell it before the curse. Okay, so once he says it's curse, I kind of like this. Prue starts moving it with telekinesis, and she goes, Oh my god, it's the curse! You should run! <laughs> He's like, Oh no, man. Oh no. Oh no, the curse, man. The curse, man. Oh no, the curse! And I'm like, Shouldn't you leave? Like, you saw a lady pop out of the urn and kill someone. Why are you standing around freaking out about the curse I instead mean, of leaving? I mean, he does eventually run. It just takes him a minute. God. Oh, uh, So, back out on the street, Phoebe and Piper are talking about Clay and, and his dark past. Why is Phoebe dressed like a Dowinger? I, she's just got a, a, a mink coat or a fur coat. Like, or she's just got a coat with a mink collar. Yeah, that is pretty. She does look like a dowager. Yeah. Wealthy widow. It is very much her aesthetic. So, oh God. She tells Piper that she and Clay broke up because he never thought about the future. Uh, Get it? Boo. Yeah. Oh God. And and Piper's going to end up with Leo who's frozen in time. And Prue's going to end up with Andy who's dead. Well, that'll work out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Phoebe's gonna marry a Cupid. Dear Lord. <laughs> oh, Phoebe. Uh, okay, so... Phoebe talks about how the reason she and Clay eventually broke up is because, you know, he was a shady character. He was always taking shortcuts and running cons and getting involved with the wrong type of people. And, like, at some point she's like, you know what, I just wasn't into being a criminal's girlfriend yeah that was that was not her deal so obviously when he came into town with a face he found i took him to my sister to have it sold as quickly as possible with as few questions as possible asked well she says that you know eventually she's got to settle down with someone she can't live with her sisters forever she says did you expect us to be 60 and sharing clothes and a cat which i have to mark just because hey I mean, we don't we don't see the cat, but Kit Watch twenty twenty. Woo! Kit Watch. Yeah, it's no Kit. No, no Kit. But they do mention a cat. So they walk into Quake, and up oh, it's Doug, and he's doing not very impressive bartender tricks. I mean, he's not really doing tricks. He's just shaking the martini shaker, but he's doing it with Surround. lots of confidence. He's surrounded by women who are very into the way he's shaking the martini shaker. Yeah, he's like super confident now. And his girlfriend's like, uh, or ex-girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. She's like, uh, which isn't any different from how she was acting around him before. So, But he ignores her now. 
And he tells Piper, now that he's super confident, he can have sex with any woman, and he doesn't want Shelly anymore. And then he starts hitting on Phoebe, which... And Phoebe, like, smiles. She's into it. Oh, God. He's got that weird 90s, like... His hair is really terrible. It's like hair horns, widow peak, swoopy. It's 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 a really severe undercut. It's It's not good. But it's the sort of haircut that Jimmy, Jeffy, or Jamie had in Daria. Yeah. It's the blonde one of Quinn's three boyfriends in Daria. It's that exact haircut. Yes, it is. Well, it's it's a very 90s look, honestly. I think it was Jamie. I think it was Jeffy. I thought Jeffy was the redhead. Okay. and Oh, yeah. I guess it was Jamie because Joey was the, was the one with the black hair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could look it up, but I feel like that would be against the spirit of Daria to look up which <laughs> Joey, Jeffy, or Jamie. <laughs> yes. So back at the hotel where Clay and Palmer are staying, we see Palmer run out of his room, and we see that on the door of his hotel room is the Guardian's travel stamp. You know what kind of ruined the word Guardian for me? Guardians of the Galaxy? Guardians of Gaul? Legend of the Guardians? All good guesses, but the correct answer is the Sand Guardian, Guardian of the Sand Vine. Oh! Oh, okay, okay. Do you, do you remember that from when Vine was a thing? I, I'm not familiar with that particular Vine, but that makes sense to me for for Vines to ruin things. I mean... Wow, harsh on Vines. No, I mean because they, they're really catchy. They, like, stick in your head. Oh, uh, I was about to say Vines gave us Danny Gonzalez. But yeah, I can't pass a Roadworks Ahead sign without picturing Drew Good and going, yeah, I hope it does. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, because it sticks in your head. The good ones do. Yes. So, Rest in peace, fine. I know, right? Ugh. It's like, oh, no, an internet thing that we can't figure out how to monetize. Better kill it. And then it got replaced by fucking TikTok. Okay, I don't want to get into TikTok right now. It's Vine, but worse. Um, it's totally stealing your information. Delete it from your phone. But I don't want to get into that. Also, I don't get the appeal of TikTok. Like, maybe it's just because I'm outside of the youth demographic now. But it's just like, you're just lip syncing. And that's it. I mean, that's not always what TikTok does. Not all TikToks are people lip syncing. Isn't it all just basically people creating trying to create narratives around pre-recorded audio no i mean that's a lot of tiktoks are that but some of them are just like short little clips like vine was yeah i thought they had to be to a short clip of something that was already a thing they don't okay tiktok just makes that really easy and cares not for copyright apparently (laughs) so anyway palmer has returned to his hotel room only to find whoa it's the guardian and she's here to uh you know, give him a little touch o' death. Yep, she's here to kill him with an incredibly fake-looking scorpion. She tells him when she kills him that it's because of his greed. He's being punished for his greed. And I just want to, like, put a pin in that, because this is an Egyptian guardian, supposedly. Uh, yes. And there's a big thing about the seven deadly sins, and it's... 
It's not an Egyptian concept. Stop spraying your Christianity all over everything, Western media. Jeez. To be fair, this is, again, the whitest Egyptian woman since Elizabeth Taylor was Cleopatra. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, back at the manor, Phoebe and Clay are in her bedroom, like, getting ready for the night. And Clay, it, like, they're they're doing a little, like, haha, we're so comfortable with each other funny dialogue thing. But Clay has murder eyes, which I don't think is the expression the character's supposed to he's have here. He's so intense right now. They're, like, playing house, and he's like, oh, I missed this. Except his face says, oh, I missed this. His face says, I have an empty oil drum just waiting for your body. It's weird. Oh, and then Phoebe tells him to, like, no, leave. that's the opposite of smizing. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair, fair. And then Phoebe tells him to leave so she can get changed, and he's like, Phoebe, I've seen everything. We used to live together. Way to quote Ross Geller, dude. It's gross. But also, they used to live together? How quickly did they move in together from the time they met? She wasn't in New York that long. Okay, so the timeline is pretty weird here because we know that uh, we know that Phoebe ran away from home when she was still a teenager, but we also know that Prue uh, thought that she was sleeping with her ex-fiance Roger. Uh huh. So, but that was before Phoebe left for New York. So was Prue engaged in her very early 20s and Phoebe, she thought that her fiancé slept with her teenage sister? Well, I didn't think she ran away to New York. Although she is only, you know what, the timeline doesn't work, let's not worry about it. Well, she, as established in the episode, which is probably discontinuity with their dad, she is barely old enough to drink at this point. Yes. So, and she was in New York to look for her dad, apparently. Oh, right. Ugh. Which got mentioned in a few episodes, but also seems to be kind of shaky continuity and will definitely be discontinuity when we get new dad later in the show. Yeah. But Clay's like, oh, let me convince you that we should date by nibbling on your neck. And she's like, Clay, really? This really no clay come on i mean a smart phoebe would say that but she's like okay go ahead well no she says no clay stop that you know cut it out and then he regular kisses her and she's like okay <laughs> which seems kind of dubious consent wise but eh. so downstairs we see piper working on something out of a gigantic ass book that's not the book of shadows but okay yeah and Prue comes in and she's like, I need to talk to Phoebe right now. And Piper's like, oh, wait, maybe you should. Okay. Like, Piper, yeah. stop her harder. Oh, my God. No, don't. Come on. Yeah, because then Prue ends up bursting in on, like, Phoebe and Clay going at it. They started going at it fast. Yeah, it's already toplessness all around. And I love Prue. This is a big. This is a big Friends reference episode for some reason. Prue's like, my eyes! My eyes! And she, like, runs screaming out of the room. And Clay's like, well, nah, 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 put a damper on this. Yep, guess it's time for Clay to go home. <laughs> yep. We come back from commercial break and everyone is clothed again and down in the living room. And Clay's kissing Phoebe very awkwardly goodbye in front of... Prue and Piper. Like, dude, just leave. And uh, and Prue's like, Phoebe, I'm so sorry. And Phoebe's like, 
you're sorry that you burst into my room unannounced? Yeah. Well, and then Prue's like, listen, Clay is a thief, and Phoebe is outraged, despite the fact that she knows he's a thief and a con man. Come on. Come on, Phoebe. Like, you didn't see him for, like, six months. What? What? What were you thinking happened? I know, right? You think he cleaned up his act that that quickly, but then showed up with a clearly stolen or it's just this whole Phoebe is just deluding herself this whole time. Although to be fair, Phoebe does kind of explain it in that, you know, she sees herself in Clay because she's the reformed rake and she thought that Clay was going through the same emotional journey she was, but you know, blah blah blah. She's like Look, yeah, but she had a reason to go through that journey. Clay didn't. It's true. Although, we don't really get a good grasp on what the reason was, because she was already, like, the reformed rake when she came back in the pilot. Like, she wanted to be sisters again, and we found out she'd been talking to Piper for oh, a while. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, I was thinking the magic was a reason, but no, you're right, she did come back on her own. I mean, I think the reason was that she wasn't a teenager anymore, and she's like, oh, I might have overreacted to a bunch of stuff. Yeah, maybe it all gets old pretty fast. But going back to what we were talking about in the first scene, Prue tells Phoebe, wait, it's not just stolen. The urn is also cursed. And Phoebe gets even more outraged. She's like, look, Clay may have brought us a stolen urn, but he definitely would never bring us a cursed urn. Why would Clay... No? Yeah, why... Believe? Why would he do either one of those things? Like, most people don't think magic is real. It's very weird. The The emphasis on Clay is innocent because he didn't know the urn he stole was cursed is very strange to me. So, yeah, she's like, he might do some bad things, but he'd never risk my safety. And then she goes upstairs... And then we cut to, hey, Inspector Andy is in this episode. Oh, no. Poor Andy. He is at the crime scene where Palmer's body was found in the hotel. Note that this is in no way a homicide. Oh, yeah, that's true. They know that he was killed with the scorpion bite. It's weird because there aren't scorpions in San Francisco, but it's not a homicide. Okay, so... The coroner tells Andy that this guy was killed via scorpion. And Andy's like, a scorpion in San Francisco? Impossible. Which you can bring animals into San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, he could have been like one of those weird guys who kept weird exotic pets. Maybe he was in San Francisco to buy a weird exotic pet from somebody who illegally sold weird exotic pets. I guess which would lend more credence to the this was a homicide thing. But the maybe the coroner called him because he's like, well, we found this card in this guy's pocket and it's a card for Buckland's auction house. And Andy's like, of course it is. Poor Andy. I, I, You know what? I was so annoyed with Andy for not realizing there was something going on with the Hallowell sisters. But at this point, I just feel bad for him. He's trying to move on with his life. It's just why is the homicide? Why is homicide there? Anyway. So, Clay literally bumps into Andy on his way to visit... Well, he's staying at this hotel, so it makes sense that he would have been walking past Palmer's door. Yeah, and then he says, Palmer, really loudly in front of a bunch of cops, but there's no follow-up. Yep, nobody questions him. So, Prue is 
it's the day after the auction and apparently they made just enough money so that the auction house can stay open and and, and the sticker has flown back onto the urn <laughs> and claire's like well you made enough money but there's still the matter of the urn okay 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 she says she's planning to call customs like, remember that, that she says she's planning to call customs about it, which is the right thing to do, but just just remember that. Mm-hmm. And Claire's like, well, I guess your job is safe for now. I mean, if she does work for the bank, isn't this not going to be in her hands anymore? Well, I mean, the bank might still decide to liquidate the auction house at some later date. Mm. So it's not that she might fire Prue, it's that the auction house might still be liquidated, but for now... Well, I mean, that would essentially be her firing Prue, though, right? Yeah, but presumably her report to the bank is going to be, keep it going. Apparently this one young 20s woman can keep it running. Dear Lord. (laughs) So Auntie comes in and Andy's like, hey, Prue. And Prue's like, here to arrest me again. And he's like, hey, last episode I was really, really, you know trying not to arrest you even though there was all that evidence that you killed that guy and also why are you holding an urn with a giant gold scorpion on it that's really inconvenient considering why i'm here yeah like a body was found of a guy in a hotel and he had your card on him and he was killed by a scorpion and there's a there's a vase with a there's an urn with a scorpion on it on your desk which to be fair is not evidence Unless you know that Prue is a witch, then it is kind of suspicious. And Andy really should know that she's a witch at this point. There's no excuse for him to not know she's a witch. And he's like, look, Prue, I know we're not dating anymore, but like, if you're in trouble, you can still call me and I'll help you. And she's like, you tried to arrest me two weeks ago for having a feather outside of a museum. And you actually did arrest me last episode. But also, like, thanks. Look, look, you you were in the episode enough to justify being in the opening credits. You can leave now. And that's exactly what he does. So, <laughs> Phoebe goes to visit Clay at the hotel. And Clay's like, you need to come into my room, Phoebe. And Phoebe's like, not until you tell me about the cursed scorpion urn. And he's like... Yep, yep. He's like... Look, I swear to you, I didn't know it was cursed when we stole it, but now everyone's dying, so I need to get out of here. Well, he's like, I'll explain to you about it if you come into my room, which she does. Yeah. But it's like, she's like, I won't tell you. She's like, I won't come into your room until you explain what's going on. He's like, come into my room and I'll explain what's going on. And she does. Well, I mean, we've established in this episode that Phoebe gives into Clay really easily. True. So... He's like, you have to, you have to help me or stay away. I don't get what his end goal is here. He's like, Phoebe, there's a curse on me and I'm cursed and I'm cursed and there's a curse. And she's like, I don't believe you, Clay. You're a lying liar. Why do you always lie? You lying liar who lies. And then she storms out. Yeah, no, I mean, it's weird. I don't know what he expects her to do if he doesn't know she's a witch, which he does not. This is a very weird episode. Like, I think he wants her to stay away, but that's not really clear. He's just really big on her believing that the curse is real. 
And that he didn't know about it, because apparently that's such a worse crime than stealing the urn. You have to believe me, there is a curse, but I didn't know that there was a curse. Okay, from his point of view, all he did was steal an urn and then give it to Phoebe's sister to sell, knowing that it could cost her her job and possibly land her in jail. Come on, it's not like he knew it was cursed. Also, to backtrack just a little bit, I don't get why Palmer thought that selling the urn would mean that they weren't cursed anymore. Yeah, they're still the ones who stole it. Yeah. It's not who possesses it, it's who stole it. So we go from that accusation, conversation, whatever, back to Quake. Hey, look, it's the other subplot nobody cares. I I was going to say it's the other subplot nobody cares about, but this is like three subplots nobody cares about, no waiting. Yeah, nobody feels a sense of... Nobody feels a sense of engagement because nothing the Charmed Ones are doing is making a difference. So, God, Doug sees What's-Your-Bucket, the waitress that he didn't propose to, in a mirror and drops a glass. Piper, I know this isn't super your job, but it is probably one of the jobs you ended up doing anyway. Why don't you just put them on different shifts? Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Huh. Yeah. Well, she didn't do that. She decided to do nothing. Yeah, she's like, you know what? Doug's on his goddamn own. Which, yes, as he should be. Right? But then Phoebe comes in and Piper and Phoebe have a conversation about Doug and basically how, you know, all guys suck. Yeah. And then Phoebe does this really weird thing where, you know, Piper commiserates with her and they have a nice sisterly moment And she says, uh, thanks for the ear. You know, like, thanks for listening to me. And reaches out and strokes Piper's ear. Weird. Right? Like, that couldn't have been directed, right? That had to have been Alyssa Milano. Like, it's so strange. Also, part of this conversation, like, it's about Doug and it's like, you know, sure, you're attracted to dangerous guys like Clay, but in the end... Aren't you just going to want a nice guy like Doug? Don't we all just want nice guys like Doug? And I'm like... Oh, it's such, gonna... a, it's such a offensive talking point. Like, the problem with Doug isn't that he's a nice guy. The problem with Doug is that he's too nervous to propose to his girlfriend of six years. That's a major character flaw. Yeah. Also, I was going to be like, this episode was written by a dude, right? But I forgot it was written by, like, six dudes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Phoebe goes back to the manor only to find Clay. Actually, Phoebe goes back to the manor and then Clay knocks on the door. Yeah. I I don't know what he was doing in between packing his bag, I guess. Phoebe, I don't want to see you because there's a curse that's coming, but you have to know I'm not responsible for the curse. Also, I want to protect you from the curse, which won't be coming for you unless... No, no, it's good. He actually has a plan. Which is probably because he's not one of the charmed ones, so he actually came up with a plan. Mm. His plan is that he's going to turn the urn in, and hopefully that will get rid of the curse. And he's willing to do this, and he's willing to go to jail because he wants to be with Phoebe, and he'll do what he has to do to make it right. But she needs him to go get the urn from Prue because Prue would never give him the urn. Which means that Prue hasn't given it to the authorities yet. Why are you waiting, Prue? What are you waiting for? Very strange. But as he says this, Phoebe has 
a premonition of him being attacked by a fake asp in Prue's office at Buckland's. God. It's a really fake-looking snake. It is. It looks like like one of those wooden snake toys you could get at, like, the Discovery... Not the Discovery Zone, but, like, you know yeah, those... Yeah, yeah, at the, like, the... Like the smart toy stores. Yeah, a smart toy store. I said the Discovery Zone, but I think that was one of those, like, play prisons they used to make for children. It was, but I feel like those toy stores, I feel like there's a like a the Discovery, Discovery Channel, Channel themed store one. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's the sort of toy you can get at an educational store. Yeah. So, Phoebe brings Clay to... Prue's office so that they can all be attacked by the snake together at the same time. Yeah, right? What was she thinking? Well, no, I guess it makes sense instead of, I mean, I'm sure her thought process and mine, if I had been her, would have been, oh no, if I don't give him the urn, he's going to try to go get it himself. He's going to break into the office. He's going to be killed. But if we all go together, then we'll be there and we can take care of it. So the urn guardian guardian of the urn pops out of the urn as soon as clay shows up and she's like it's time for greed to be punished and i love phoebe just shoves clay out of the office and closes the door behind him right because she doesn't want him to see them using their powers or i guess prue using her power because prue's the one who has a power prue kind of just like she tries to telekinetically throw the urn guardian but she just kind of shoves her a little bit telekinetically right because she's mostly immune to their powers that's what we need to learn in this scene Mm -hmm. and also after she does that the guardian's like all right now i'm gonna kill you bitches too but instead of doing that she just turns back into the stamp i mean that seems kind of eh, like yeah no you are supposed to kill people who steal the urn, not people who you bump into while you're trying to kill people who stole the urn. It's like, do you have rules or not? Maybe Prue not returning it to the proper authorities in time counts as stealing? I mean, really, Prue, what are you doing? Well, right now what they're doing is running back to the manor. Yes. So they're going to go into the attic to see if they can find anything to decursify the urn okay i kind of love this though because prue grabs piper's hand and it's like we have to go up to the attic right now and clay's like what's happening and phoebe's like um well piper is really good with like myths and legends and stuff and prue's really good with like her mind so you just wait here and we'll figure it out and he's like i don't want you to be hurt phoebe i'm gonna handle this myself i don't want you to be hurt and phoebe's like hey Shut up, idiot. Just stay down here and don't get yourself killed while we go in the attic to talk about how to handle this situation. It. How does everyone not know they're witches? <laughs> so, they can't find the Urn Guardian in the, in the book, presumably because none of the Warren line has ever gone to Egypt. Yeah, but they do find a page about the seven deadly sins, and they're like, eh, close enough. Yeah, and... Prue's like, hey, Phoebe, maybe Clay was just meant to die, so... Hey, their job is to protect the innocent. Clay is not innocent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Phoebe's like, that can't be. We made out, and I have a former relationship with him, so we have to be able to save him somehow. Yeah, Phoebe never makes out with anyone who's guilty. And Prue's like, well, he's being punished for his greed, so maybe if he does something 
selfless, the Urn Guardian won't kill him. And the what? Okay, first of all, that's a terrible conclusion to jump to, despite the fact that it is accurate. Mm. But more importantly, this is for our benefit, because she does not communicate this to Clay. In fact, when they go downstairs, Clay has already left, which I point out to emphasize my point that the Charmed Ones don't do anything to affect the plot. I just... The point of the Urn Guardian isn't to punish greedy people in general. It's to punish people who stole the urn. Yeah, I know. I know. But... You know how he should be able to get rid of the curse? Making another urn. I mean, returning the urn. Yeah, I no, feel like returning that... the urn would be the thing. But, like... I don't know. Also, who does the urn, like, actually belong to? Ooh, ooh! Hold on to that question! Okay. So, Clay goes to meet the urn guardian, who's apparently just been standing in Prue's office the entire time. Okay, no, no, we actually saw her go back into the stamp on the urn, and then come back out of the stamp, so she was just, like, chilling for a few minutes on the urn. She seems to be pacing out her murders oddly. Yeah, it's weird. So he's like, I've come to accept my punishment. And she's like, oh, neat. Good for you. And then she throws a snake at him. Now, he does decide to be selfless, right? He's like, hey, just kill me. And then you can ignore the Hallowells because you'll have taken your revenge. And that's what you have to do. Okay, so Phoebe, Piper, and Prue burst into the room. Piper and Prue stand on one side of the room. And Phoebe stands directly behind Clay. And she's like trying to push herself in front of Clay. And Clay's like, no, get back, there's a snake. And by pushing her back, he saved her and thus done something selfless. And thus, the urn guardian can't kill him anymore. Okay, I want to point out that this is the exact scene from the first Frozen movie. And it was awesome in Frozen. God. And Prue very loudly says... A selfless act, just like the Book of Shadows said. Okay, I know that your point is that she shouldn't be talking about being a witch so loud, but my point is, the Book of Shadows said no such thing. That was a ridiculous conclusion that you all jumped to. Yeah, the Book of Shadows just mentioned that the seven sins existed and that greed was one of them. Yeah. What? (laughs) Why is that even in the Book of Shadows? I mean... They are going to have to deal with the seven deadly sins later in this show. Oh, yeah. Okay, I guess that makes sense. I Okay, that complaint retracted. Yes. So the urn itself disappears. And it reappears back in the house of the guy it killed for stealing it. That was why I said to hold on to that question of who the urn belongs to. Because it just went back to the last guy who stole it before these guys. That guy's already been killed for stealing it, so we know it wasn't rightfully his. Okay, so is it just an urn that's main purpose is to kill people? (laughs) Okay, wait, now, they do say, we kind of skipped over this, but they did say that she feeds on their greed, right? So it's not just that she's punishing their greed, it's that she needs it. So I guess the answer is yes, it does exist just to be stolen. Okay, then it feels like the Charmed One should do something about it, like breaking the urn. Eh, those people are innocents. Okay, so we're just we're just going off the it's someone else's problem rule. I mean, look. This is like when they shifted Vampire Willow back into the Wishverse. Look, there are a lot of demons in San Francisco. I feel like they don't have to fly to Egypt just to protect some white guys stealing Egyptian treasures. 
It's fun how in an entire in an entire episode about Egypt, we didn't have a single Egyptian person. Yeah, right. Hmm. So back at Quake, it's time to resolve the last of the three plots. Doug is a clumsy, clumsy asshole, and Piper freezes him while he was dropping stuff. But even she is, like, exhausted. She's like, ugh, I can't keep doing this. And Prue's like, wait, I have a plan. And she pulls the engagement ring out of Doug's pocket and puts it down on the ground. So that when Piper unfreezes him and he drops everything, Shelly sees the engagement ring on the ground. And she's like, oh my god, you were gonna propose to me. That totally makes up for the fact that I saw you, you know, trying to sleep with all of those women yesterday. Also, I'm totally willing to say yes, even though I should really be questioning why you couldn't propose to me yourself, like why you couldn't get up the nerve to do it after we've been dating for over half a decade. She's like, wait, a ring? What is this? And he's like, I was just looking for the right time to propose to you. And she's like, but we broke up because you weren't willing to commit. And he's like, eh? and she's like, oh, well, okay, I'll marry you. And then everyone claps. Eh, whatever. What? Whatever. At least Piper acknowledges that this plot resolved without her doing anything. She even says, oh, I guess if I hadn't kept stopping him from breaking shit, this might have even happened faster. I mean, it wouldn't have. You would have just had to fire him and then. And then it wouldn't have been their problem. Just like the urn <laughs> in Egypt. Someone else's problem, the episode, except for Prue's plot, which was, I think, honestly, the strongest out of the three. It really was. Although even in that plot, it was like, why is this Prue's problem? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, Clay shows up at Quake to say goodbye to Phoebe. He's going back to New York. Did you know that? Did you know? Did you know that Phoebe used to live in New York? Yeah. 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 He wants Phoebe to go with him, but she's like, I can't. My life is here. My sisters are here. And honestly, what's waiting for him in New York? Yeah. Like... Phoebe said that one of the reasons she broke up with him was because bad people were after him. Is that no longer the case? He should just stay in San Francisco. I know no one wants to keep play around. Honestly, I'm glad he's going. But what what is waiting for him in New York? This doesn't really... Whatever. Well, he's gone. That's the important thing. I guess that's true. We don't have to deal with Clay anymore. Yay, no more Clay. And Prue's like, are you okay? And Phoebe's like, yeah. I mean, it was Clay. Whatever. God. No big deal. And then the sisters all hug so we can go to credits. Yes. So that was a nothing burger of an episode. Because they didn't do anything. Okay. I will give it this. It was better than Wedding from Hell. Yes, absolutely. Like, it he- all of the plots held together. None of them were good or interesting, but they all held together. I think Bruce was kind of interesting. Yeah. But... I mean... No no coincidence, I'm sure, that Prue's was also the shortest. Yes. But, like, that was a nothing episode. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't particularly good either. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> do you want to do our segments? Yeah, let's, let's just hop right in on our segments. So, our first segment, Precognition, where we look into the future and see what actors may become famous and, you know... The future. Yes. Okay, so you want to go first? Okay, so there's the obvious one, which is Claire. Yes, Claire from the bank. Claire from the bank, who you might know as Peter Petrelli's mom from Heroes, or Ted Mosby's mom. Oh, yeah, I forgot that she was... uh... Ted Mosby's mom and How I Met Your Mother, or Mike's mom from Friends. Yes, yes, she is. 
The actress is named Christine Rose. You have seen her and stuff. She has apparently been a mother in every show ever. I, yeah, that's so funny. I, I totally forgot she was Mike's mom and friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she is someone who will become not famous, but definitely recognizable in the future. That's true. So I have a different premonition. Ooh. Yes, my premonition is Stacy Hydeck, who is the guardian of the urn. That name sounds familiar. Well, I'm not sure what you would know her from. Here's a thing. I might be thinking of Tim Heidecker. That could be. Here's a thing. Or you might be thinking of Ann Duddock, who, mm. is, who is a perennial, hey, it's that girl. Mm. No, Stacy Hydeck. Okay, so... Stacy. I know, right? It, is there any name more Egyptian than <laughs> Stacy? God. Now, there is a lot of crossover between genre shows and soap operas. Mm-hmm. But since we don't watch soap operas, like, I can't attest to the, the amount of her fame, mm-hmm. but she is a regular on Days of Our Lives. Oh, yeah, she's probably pretty famous then. Yes. Also, this is not a famous thing, but I do need to bring up that in the live action Superboy TV show, not Smallville, the Superboy TV show. Which none of you may remember because... Why would you? Hmm. She played Lana Lang. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Boy, I guess there's just never been a... Oh, no, wait, an Edo tool. I was going to say there's never been a redheaded live action Lana Lang. She might have dyed her hair red, like Kristen Dunst. Maybe. But it's so weird that Annette O'Toole was uh, Lana Lang in... Uh, the, su- like, fourth Superman movie? Yeah, and then she was Clark Kent's mom in uh, Smallville. Oh, I, I forgot that, yeah. Yeah, and then in Supergirl, Supergirl's adopted parents were... Uh, Dean Kane. Dean Kane and Helen What's-Her-Face, who plays... Who played Supergirl in the 80s Supergirl movie. But that was obviously specifically referencing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm assuming having Onet O'Toole be Clark Kent's mom was specifically because of her being Lana Lang in the fourth Superman movie. Third or fourth, whichever one. I think that one was just a coincidence. Also, it's the third one. The third one was the one with evil Superman. That's the one where he goes back to high school. The fourth one is the one with the... Nuclear man. Yeah. He's got the... Yeah. He got the claws to scratch Superman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay, so I think they were good at the time, but honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Okay, so really only the first one was considered really good. Oh, and the second one. The second one is amazing. Well, I mean, the bits with him and Lois Lane are great. It's just all of the stuff where he's doing other Superman stuff is... It's pretty terrible. So normally I'm not a fan of saying that you have to watch... A director's cut because I think director's cuts tend to be kind of masturbatory yes and bloated mm-hmm. but the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 is worth watching it's right. more worth watching than the theatrical release of Superman 2 so we'll move on to our next segment time freeze what specifically dates this episode Doug's hair that was what I was gonna be yeah Doug's hair it's whew. it's aggressively uh yeah of its time so much of its time yeah 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 doug doug's hair very yep very specifically uh ties this to the early 2000s slash late 90s yep yep you know what and also uh also wesley's facial hair wesley's whole aesthetic (laughs) 
was very this time period. Yeah. Like I said, very Brecken, Meyer, and Clueless, which is also... A very late 90s thing. And my last thing for Time Freeze is Piper referencing when Doug is under the influence of the confidence spell, which is such a small part of the episode. I know, he only has a confidence spell for one scene. He's like 30 seconds. But Piper says, who does he think he is? Tom Cruise in Cocktail? Which is a very specific reference I don't think you'd make these days. I know, it's funny. It's like, it's an 80s reference. It's an 80s movie. But referencing 80s movies is very early 2000s. Like, I don't, well, specifically, I don't think that is a thing you would reference in terms of Tom Cruise. Right, because she doesn't say cocktail. We just know that that's what she says. She just says he thinks he's Tom Cruise. And that's not the first thing you think when you think Tom Cruise anymore. I don't think that's even the 10th thing you think when you think of Tom Cruise. No, definitely not. Yeah, no. I honestly I didn't even get the reference the first time we watched the episode I didn't get it until the second time I watched the episode when I was taking notes and I went to write what does he think this is cocktail and then I was like oh that's why she references that's why she references Tom Cruise it's a movie where Tom Cruise is a you know bartender yeah yeah and that will take us to our final segment telekinesis what genuinely moved you this episode I think I know For me, it was the moment that I called out when it happened. Just the really brief sister moment where Phoebe seemed genuinely pleased to have Prue looking out for her. Honestly, I don't know if it's really part of... I don't honestly remember, even though we literally just went over the episode. But the part where Phoebe's talking about how she wants to believe in Clay because she's in the same position he was in. Yes. Or he's in the same position she was in where she's trying, like, the reformed rake thing. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, I can see that. That being said... Not a lot moved me this episode. Yeah, honestly, I kept on forgetting Clay's name while we were talking, and I had to think about the title of the episode to remind me what it was. That's not good. Yeah, so... I mean, I don't know if you're watching along with us, if you are. Sorry. Yeah. And sorry for next time, too, because our next episode is the Wendigo. Awesome. Yeah. the the next one's like fun bad. Yes, the next one is fun bad. So, you know, be warned. The episode description is, after Piper is almost killed by a beast, she begins a strange transformation, developing frighteningly similar traits to her attacker. I'm going to save it for next time, but... There was a huge spike in people being interested in Wendigos not too long ago. Yeah, I know. I feel like that's true. But that will about do it for this week. That will do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode of any television show, you should head over to our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at ILoveTVZines on Twitter, or at ILoveTelevisionZines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. (laughs) 